listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. What's up, Lakers fans? Recording this on a Thursday. Lakers coming off a loss to the Bucks on Wednesday night. We'll jump into that and some more stuff. Before we get into it, don't forget, subscribe to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. And of course, check out silverscreenandroll.com for all your Lakers needs. One of the people who are behind the magic at Silver Screen and Roll. We haven't done a pod together in a while. Sabrina, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, weird time to be talking about the Lakers, but always happy to be talking with you, Jess. Well, I know it is kind of a, a weird time because they've kind of been, they're always going to be relevant because they're the Lakers. But I mean, yeah, the last couple of weeks have been, have definitely been interesting. Well, we'll get into what's going to happen on the back half of the schedule. I don't know if, uh, if, if you're listening to this, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but if you go to silverscreenandroll.com, Harrison actually wrote about how an anonymous, well, I don't want to use his headline, but a team executives are talking about the bad faith about what's happening in the buyout market. Obviously, Andre Drummond, uh, his debut with the Lakers was shortened. He only ended up playing 14 minutes before injuring his toe. Uh, doesn't look to be too, too serious. He should be back sooner than later. But when, when you're looking at Andre Drummond signing here, you got LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, of course, signing with the Brooklyn Nets. Do you agree that, you know, the, the way the buyout market is set up in the NBA, Sabrina, that they're doing this so the you know, the richer teams and, and the higher end teams and the bigger cities are, have more access and more ability to sign these players. Do you agree with that sentiment? Absolutely not. Um, first of all, most of the time when players hit the buyout market, it's because they are no longer effective. And there is a reason why their previous team does not want them anymore. Like if you think about over the past 10 years or so of, you know, buyout candidates, how many of them actually affected the outcome of a champion like Marquise Morris helped the Lakers last year I think you could easily say that if he were not on the Lakers they would have been just fine without him um like you know just give more of those minutes well don't to... tell him that yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no and it's it's so silly because like you have to go back to maybe PJ Brown before that in 2008 to have another buyout candidate who actually helped the team that won the title so yeah I mean that's probably unfair to Marquise phrasing it that way but like you know, two times in the last 12 years where a player actually made an impact on the championship chase. Like, are we really going up in arms about that? It, it just seems so silly to me. And again, Marquise is kind of an exception to this role, but most of the time, the players who join teams on buyouts, they're not coming back the next year. So yeah, like I much rather would have a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge or Blake Griffin get to play in the playoffs instead of languishing on a team that's not going anywhere. Like, doesn't the NBA want to have its best players on television for longer stretches of time instead of not playing at the end of the season, like what's happening with Al Horford? You know, so I think it's much better that players get to have an opportunity to play later in the season, and then they they don't even really come back. So what's the big deal if, you know, they spend the last two months of the season in Brooklyn if they end up going somewhere else the next year? I just think it's a whole big hubbub over nothing. Like, most of the time, these guys aren't even doing anything important. And if they do, then it's it's just for those two months, and then they go back to some other team. Well, that's the thing; they're diminishing assets at that point. Mm-hmm. What do you really? What what was Detroit going to get for Blake Griffin on that contract? What was you know San Antonio going to get for Lamarcus Aldridge on that contract? Nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to. No team's going to offer you anything for that. They're going to be like, no, dude, you you can keep them as long as you want. You know, and and I think that argument, and we know this, and every everybody does. It's a it happens in 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 the major in Major League Baseball where you, where you have a similar thing where. Yeah, the star players want to go play in big markets. They have the money. There's more opportunity there. There's more national attention on you if you're playing with the Lakers as opposed to if you're playing for the Portland Trailblazers. That, that's no disrespect to a guy like Dame Lillard. That's just a fact. And, and if I'm looking at it that way, 
it's like, okay, this is set up. And usually at the end of the season, um, you know, Bobby Marks tweeted this out as well. And Harrison did include that in, in the, in, in his story, you know, Milwaukee signed the most bio candidates or, you know, for the, over the last six years. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, Milwaukee's not a big market team. We saw, you know, the Cavs got Kendrick Perkins, Larry Sanders, Andrew Brogut. Okay. They're not a small market team. Obviously guys wanted to go there because LeBron was there and that was somewhere they could, they could play with a good team, have a chance at a championship. So I, I don't think the small market teams have a leg to stand on really with this argument, particularly because if you were good enough, these guys ain't going to want to leave you in the first place. And let's be honest, if your team was good enough, they probably wouldn't be on it and be, be a, be a big part of it at, at 35, 36 years old. Right. And most of the time, it's not like, you know, a player is going to his team after the trade deadline and saying, Hey, it looks like we're not going to make the playoffs. Can you let me go so that I can go sign with the Lakers or the Clippers and get to play in the playoffs? What's happening is you saw this with Blake. You saw this with LaMarcus. You saw this with Andre Drummond. They are reaching an agreement with their teams weeks before the deadline where their teams have decided that they're no longer a part of their future. So if the teams don't want any part of them, then what's the point of like getting up in arms about the players getting to go where they want to go? Yeah, I don't understand it. I, I, and they're I going for less money too. It's not yeah. like they're not sacrificing in this process. And then exactly. And it's, you know, and, and the, the control aspect of it, and you know, in the NFL, you see this a lot where once you're drafted by a team, I mean, it's pretty much all up to them if they want to keep you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's just the, the way we see it. We see it with quarterbacks, especially you don't see, you know, very rarely do we see guys like Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, you know, in their prime, Aaron Rodgers. They're, they're not going to new teams, but in the NBA, it's like, if you're looking at this, okay, well, who are the top three teams in the East? You got Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee, two very big markets. Milwaukee, obviously not at the same level. And then in the West, you got Utah, Phoenix, and the, and the two LA teams in the top four. Okay, Utah, definitely a small market. Phoenix, not a small market by any means. And I think people want to play there because of the weather. It's a good city. And then you got the LA teams. It's like, so if you had a team like the Memphis Grizzlies or the New Orleans Pelicans with Zion and Brandon Ingram, and they were in the top three, some of these buyout guys might consider signing there because they're like, hey, I can win a championship. I've been, and a guy like Blake Griffin, a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge, who had multiple all-stars, uh, teams, you know, and, and all-star appearances, sorry, under their belt, they're, they're looking at it like, dude, I want to win a title. You know what I mean? And, and so if you're a good enough team, I think you'd have the opportunity to sign these guys. Uh, wanted to ask you about this as well. Marcus all, uh, you know, obviously his minutes have been hugely impacted by, by having, uh, Andre Drummond sign on and, and still, you know, uh, Frank Vogel was saying he still wants to give some run to, to Mark Gasol and Montrez Harrell together. When, when you're looking at what's going to happen with Gasol, do you see that as just like the coach saying the right thing to protect a veteran? Or do you think he'll actually give Gasol some minutes, especially when AD comes back as well? That's a good question. Uh, because, you know, Frank obviously says a lot, not a lot, but there are some things that Frank says that you can tell are just this is a nice thing to say about our player, even though that might not be entirely true. Like when they said that we envision Andre Drummond being a part of our future here in Los Angeles. Yeah. Like let, let me know when Andre Drummond wants to play for $5 million next year and we'll see him being part of the Lakers future. But I do think that there is some realism in Marcus all and Montrez Harrell playing together just because, I mean, I think Frank said this yesterday, but you can envision Mark being the center on defense while Montrez Harrell guards a little bit more on the perimeter because that leverages his speed better. And then on offense, Mark can space the floor while Montrez can operate inside of the paint. And there is some logic to that. I think the Lakers would be a little bit slower than you would want them to be just with those two guys in the front court, but not, not that much more than like, you know, Mark Heath Morris playing the four. So it isn't, isn't a huge deal, but it's, it's just a lot of bigs to have to manage all their egos at once. I, I think that they're going to end up doing it because you don't want the situation of Gasol being feeling unwanted and, you know, like tossed aside by the team, especially because he has one more year left on this contract that is guaranteed for next season. 
So I think just for buy-in, especially while LeBron and Anthony Davis are gone, you're going to want to try that configuration mostly because like you just need to get your best players on the court more often. And I know that there's been a lot of hand-wringing about Gasol's performance throughout the course of the season. Like when, when our best guys were healthy, Mark Gasol was amplifying them as good as anybody else, right? Like that starting lineup was killing. Um, he looked really good next to LeBron and Anthony Davis. He opens things up for them in a way that their centers last year just didn't. And in a way that I'm not sure Montrezl Harrell can even do like playing next to the two of them. So I think it's important to keep him involved, like invested in the team because there is a, you know, vision of the Lakers when they come back with LeBron and Anthony Davis that you want Marcus all in the starting lineup with them again. And I think it's going to be really hard to ask that of him if you've dumped him for Andre Drummond during a time when those guys aren't even healthy. So I think you have to do it just to keep him involved, even though I'm not sure how well that lineup with him and Trez is going to work. But I think just like for team dynamics, that's important too. And like, I don't think it's going to be the difference between the Lakers winning and losing. Like this, there's a lot of, well, I, I think, I, I think some bad basketball being played by the Lakers. Right oh now. no. I mean, well, yeah, they're missing their, like I said, I mean, I've said this before. If, if you took, you know, Paul, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard off the Clippers, they're not going to be very good to watch either. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? You just take two guys off. There's, there's nothing you could do about it, especially when you're missing your, your two horses and, you know, getting back to Gasol, what, what, what you're saying is I, I kind of agree with you and it's not going to, it's not going to make the difference in them winning a title and, and losing a title, but Marcus all could make some plays in a big game that switches the swings, the momentum of a series. Like he has that capability in him where he might come in, plays extremely good defense, you know, gets up, you know, eight, 10, 12 points, uh, gets a few rebounds, has a nice passes. And I think that's what they need to keep him around for, because we saw this last, last season in the playoffs too, while they were in the bubble that, okay, Frank Vogel was willing to make adjustments, right? Like he didn't just go with, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with uh, JaVale McGee and, and you know what I mean? And this is the guy I'm going to go with. It was like, no, Dwight Howard is a, is a better matchup option here. So I'm going to go with that. And I think at points, Gasol gives you that, you know, and especially if, if, if he's playing against, you know, if Jokic is killing him in the post, you can, you can put Gasol out there for four or five possessions and see if he can slow him down. So I agree with you. I think they have to keep that dynamic going. It's just going to be interesting to see what happens here with the team. They're embarking on the seven game road trip. Um, that I think it could be potentially dangerous for them in the standings. Not that they're going to fall out of, I don't think they're going to fall out of the top six by any means, but they could fall down to six very easily. Uh, right. Let's jump into that. We'll, we'll do that after a short break. All right. And we're back, Sabrina. We're talking about the upcoming seven game road trip that starts Friday night in Sacramento. Uh, they're back in LA on Sunday to take on the Clippers and then fly East to take on Toronto on Tuesday, April 6th. When you're looking at this seven game road trip, how many wins do you think the Lakers are going to be able to get with a depleted squad? Because we're still looking at multiple weeks without LeBron and AD returning to the floor. Oof. Okay. I mean, I think like that's a loaded question. Sorry. Best about that, but... <laughs> case scenario is yeah. three and four because the Kings are a manageable game, but they're also a very high powered offensive team. And I know the Lakers are good defensively. I just don't think they can score enough to keep up with them. I mean, we basically saw a preview of this game right before the all-star break when LeBron took the last game off and they played in Sacramento without both Bron and AD and they almost won, right? It was a one point game. And then the last two minute report that uh, Harrison Barnes's game winner came off of a travel didn't exactly make it feel any better. Uh, so that that's a winnable one. Uh, Toronto is really bad. So that's another one. And maybe one of New York or Charlotte could be a win. So that's where I'm thinking, you know, three possible wins there, but like, I don't really have any faith that the Lakers could beat the Clippers, uh, Brooklyn or Miami in their current state. So let's factor in three automatic losses and then 
see where the other ones go from there. Yeah, this you know, the Sacramento game is going to be tough because this Lakers team, they're going to struggle to score. That's just a fact. You know what I mean? Whatever it is that you got to hope in order for them to, I think, win games against not even just like the high quality opponents, but somebody who's even a middle, you know, middle ranked team like Sacramento is closer to 20th and they are 16. But, you know, they're, they're not. A, we've seen them play a lot over the last, you know, they're doing really well over their last uh, eight games or nine games. You know what I mean? They're they're seven and one and seven and two, I believe. But you're looking at that at that squad, like they're going to have a tough time keeping up with them. And you need somebody like Kuzma, you need somebody like Schroeder, you need somebody like Montrez Harold to come in and like legitimately score 30 points a game in, mm-hmm. in those games. Otherwise they're going to have a tough time keeping up with them because I'm looking at this and I'm with you. And I'm like that, that back-to-back against Charlotte and, and New York, probably going to lose the back half against Charlotte. You know what I mean? Just off, off being tired and being the seventh game of that road trip. They're basically playing these seven games over 11 nights. And you look at you look at that that middle game against you know maybe t- Toronto and if they can squeeze that one, I, you know I wouldn't be surprised if they go one and six. Like where where do you think they're going to end up at the end of the seven game road trip? Because right now they got twenty four games left uh, after the seven game road trip. Then that means that they'll have seventeen. So where do you think they'll be standing at the end of this at the end of this trip? Because they're only half a game up on both Denver and Portland. Yeah, I think it's a very realistic possibility that they'll be in sixth by the end of this and. I'm at the point where I'm trying not to get concerned if they are in the top six, because then at least you avoid the play-in. And there is enough of a gap right now with Dallas in seventh to where I'm not, I'm not like looking up the rules of the plan yet, you know? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Like there's still four <laughs> games ahead of Dallas. There is some amount of cushion. Um, I don't remember if they've played Dallas yet this season. They got, they got two games against Dallas coming up too. Okay. So that probably means that they've played Dallas once. Uh, I can't remember what like the tiebreaker is there, but oh yeah, they, they beat Dallas. That's right. Uh, right after Christmas or Christmas, Christmas. Night. Yeah, yeah. Christmas day. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that at least there's something going there where, you know, if you're in the top six, you stay out of that single elimination potential. Although seven and eight, if I understand correctly, it is not single elimination. You have to lose twice in order to fall out of the playoffs. Yeah. But it's not an ideal situation. Uh, I mean, I don't think that the Lakers are in a position like where they need to be worried about standings jockeying. Cause like, I think other teams are going to try to be avoiding them, you know, when it comes down to the playoffs. Uh, I don't think that there is a certain team in the West where they're like, we have to avoid this group for as long as possible. Like, I mean, I'm of the belief that they would rather not play the Clippers until later, but like, if you have to play them the first round, you have to play them the first round, like, whatever. So as long as they're in that top six, I think they'll be okay. Uh, although this obviously changes if fans start being allowed into arenas and then we actually start dealing with the possibility of home court affecting these playoffs, which is an entirely different discussion that I was not prepared for a month ago. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that this road trip, I like if the Lakers finish two and five and we're in sixth place by the end of it, I, I don't think that's unreasonable at all. And you don't want LeBron James and Anthony Davis to have to come back and feel the pressure to go on a surge to get the Lakers higher up in the standings. But I mean, that that's a situation Lakers are going to find themselves in and there's really nothing we can do about it at this point, because I mean, I know we're not going to go deep into Drummond because they talked about him yesterday. I don't think this guy's like a savior or anything, right? No, like, there's no, a reason no. why he was on a buyout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he switched, you know, you look at Andre, he, he, he can impact a game. I mean, he's a dude that can go for 20 and 20. You know, if he, if he gets enough touches and 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 he's that involved in the game, yeah, I mean, at his best, he's a, he's a beast. But like you said, yeah, he's not a savior. But 
I do think that he's going to be able to help in those games, like against Toronto. You know what I mean? Like those are the games that you need. Like I said, him, Kuz, uh, Montrez Harrell, Dennis Schroeder to step up and score 30 points so that, you know, they'll at least know that they've scored enough that they can keep up with these guys. Cause I'm looking at this too. I mean, again, we don't know the severity and, 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 and playing with a high ankle sprain in, in terms of trying to rush it and, and coming back sooner. That's never recommended. Uh, you know, you've seen that happen tons of times before, especially if you follow the NFL, like guys who have high, high ankle sprains, you're out four to six weeks uh, at, at least, you know, and they don't mm -hmm. want to rush back because it's, it's an injury that, that you can, you can get hurt again um, pretty easily. So you're looking at that. They're going to be careful with LeBron. They're going to be careful with AD. I mean, I, is there a chance they fall to seven? Yeah, there definitely is. I mean, you know, the Mavericks are playing better. They also have the easiest remaining schedule in the NBA. So I think that might factor in, but when are you like, when are you looking at it now? We're, we're recording this on uh, April 1st, but when do you think that LeBron and AD will be back in the lineup, not just coming back to practice, but like what, what's your timeline that you're looking at this in an optimistic way? So we're about two weeks removed from LeBron's ankle sprain, right? Am I thinking about that date correctly? Um, yeah, we're about, he, it was Saturday, March 20th. So this Saturday will be two weeks removed from yeah. that. So I was under the assumption that it was going to be about a month timeline for LeBron. So I think we're still about two and a half weeks away from him returning. Yeah. I legitimately have no idea when to expect Anthony Davis because, I mean, unlike LeBron, he's actually been at the games and you see him working out pregame and it appears that there has been some progress on that front, which is nice, but his injury is just so much scarier than what LeBron is dealing with, right? Like we know ankle sprains, yeah, maybe they kill you for a couple of weeks, but it's not something that you have to worry about going forward in the same way as if AD comes back and something goes wrong, that's another year of his career that is taken away, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if the longer AD wants to stay out, like I really have no problem with it because we know that he knows how to play with LeBron James, right? And yeah, you'd like to get some chemistry developed between him and the rest of the group before the playoffs start. But if it's a decision between that and a fully rested and rejuvenated Anthony Davis for the playoffs. I'm obviously going to take the latter 10 times out of 10. I just, I'm so terrified of what could happen with that Achilles thing, because again, like that's another year and yeah, he signed a five-year extension. That's two years out of it, right. That he's not going to be yeah. able to play. Uh, and it's, it's really scary. And we saw what happened with Kevin Durant, right? 2019 mm -hmm. NBA finals where, you know, it was like, it was just a calf and it was just a calf and he came back and, you know, within what, 10 minutes of that game, he, he was gone and he had to, he had to miss the next year. Like you mentioned. So I, I and think even now he's played like what, 19 games this season. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's been, it's been an ongoing thing for him and you don't want to mess around with that, especially as, and again, it's hard for us to say this because LeBron's so great, but as he's getting older, we don't know you know, father time is undefeated. So we're going to have to see what happens there. And I think obviously the plan is that Anthony Davis is going to take over as a superstar, but in order to do that, he has to be on the court. So I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. Like they have to really, really take their time with AD because I'm with you. Like I'm looking at the West, the rest of, I was gonna say the West of the Western conference, but <laughs> I'm looking at the rest of the Western conference. If I'm any team there, I'm like, I don't want to play the Lakers in the first round if those two guys are healthy. Right. Mm -hmm. And and you said that earlier. You're like, uh, you know, I don't think the anybody you're looking at and like, oh, I, I I don't we don't want to play them in the first round. It's like every team's looking at the Lakers and and thinking, hey, if AD and LeBron are 100 percent, we're in trouble. You know, and I, they're trying to avoid that. So I think for me, even if the Lakers do ultimately slip to a play in spot, which I, I do think there's a possibility, um, given what we know about the injuries. And, and like you're mentioning, if LeBron's out for another another you know two and a half 
weeks, you're looking at, at basically almost 12 games that he's going to miss more there. So again, are the Lakers going to be able to hang on to a four game lead? I, I don't know. They're going to have to have a lot of things going their way. But when I'm looking at, when I'm looking at this, it's like, just get healthy and get in because it, you know, once you get in there, even if you get the eight seed and, and you're playing Utah in the first round, like the jazz are going to be terrified. You're playing the defending champions, healthy LeBron, healthy AD. Uh, everybody's ready to go. That's not a matchup Utah wants, but yeah, can you to- imagine if you're like Phoenix or Utah and you did all of this work during the off season or not so much Utah because they essentially brought back the same team, but like you put all of this work in during the regular season and you're selling it to your fans. Like we're back, we're a new era of this team and we're going to do bigger and better things. And then you end up with the Lakers in the first <laughs> round and lose anyway, like that's, that would be so frustrating. It's such a Utah thing to happen, though. So I, I do want it to happen. I've never been a fan of the Utah Jazz. So I do want them to. I'll be honest with you. I do want them to. I wouldn't mind if the Lakers played them in the first round and took them out in five or six games. That would be actually fun to watch. Um, I do want to ask you this, though, Sabrina, because you were talking about this. And, and we know, you know, again, we know the severity of how bad it could be with AD. Do you think there's any chance they might shut him down for the rest of the season? I think if they were going to make that decision, they already would have. Like they wouldn't just string him along for this long without, uh, you know, with the knowledge that he could potentially be shut down. So my gut says that if he were going to be shut down, it would have already happened. Uh, The fact that he's been, you know, publicly rehabbing, you know, like actually working out where people can watch him at Staples Center makes me think that there is an expectation for him to come back. Uh, So that's kind of where I stand. But again, I, what do I know about his medicals, right? You're a Duke graduate, Sabrina. Come on, you know all this stuff, right? You're the you guys are the smart ones. You're not like us. <laughs> I'm messing with you, but we'll wrap up. We'll wrap up on this. You're you're mentioning this before, and and uh, for those who don't know, me and Sabrina both live in the LA area, but uh, kind of a weird, like a good energy kind of going around the city. I feel like uh, with what's happening with the virus, that things are starting to come down again. It came at a great cost if you look at all the lives that 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 have been lost to it. And everything that's happened in terms of people's jobs and the economy and all that, but just the optimism around the city. Like, do you, do you kind of feel that what, what I'm talking about too, that, that things are starting to get a little bit more optimistic and happier around here? Yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? I mean, uh, it's, it's a little scary because the, the positive test rates are starting to go up around the country again. I think as some of those mass mandates have gone away and people have developed a little too much comfort potentially with the amount of vaccinations that have happened but I've heard rumors that the LA Kings are going to be allowing fans fairly soon, which would have to affect the Lakers and the Clippers since they all play in the same building. So yeah, I think that there's a, there is some positive momentum heading in that direction. I honestly, at this point, I would be surprised if there were not fans in the playoffs versus being surprised if there were. And that has to be a, a, you know, a really nice outcome considering where we were just two months ago where like, it seemed like every day a game was getting postponed on the NBA calendar. So yeah, it's, it's nice that uh, things appear to be headed in the right direction. Obviously there's a lot of momentum in LA just because these teams are really good, right? Like even with uh, the Lakers missing their two superstars, there's an expectation that they will be back and they'll be good again. You've got the Clippers, you've got UCLA in the final four, right? There's a, a lot of good momentum around LA basketball and hopefully we get a chance to enjoy it in person. Do you, do you, do you think that they are going to have like, what, what percentage of fans do you think will be in Staples center come time for the playoffs? Cause I'm looking at this. I'm like, you know, I, the, the County was saying on uh, 
on Wednesday that, or pardon me, Tuesday, that they were looking at, you know, maybe mid-June that we might have immunity here in LA. Again, you're still going to have people traveling. So there's a lot mm-hmm. to that. But um, do you think they'll look at doing something with, hey, if you got a vaccine, you're allowed in. And if you're fully vaccinated, you can, you can come into the Staples Center and we can we can go with almost capacity. Or what do you, what do you think you're looking at for that? Yeah. So right now we're at like 25% for indoor dining. I think once we hit the next phase, the next 50, color, right? right? We get yeah. 50%. Um, yeah. I assume that they would stick within those regulations, right? Like you're not going to get more than half capacity, even if it's a fully vaccinated type situation, uh, just because I don't think the county rules are going to evolve that fast. But even then, I mean, like a half old stable center, it's, it's pretty good, <laughs> pretty yeah. good, especially considering what we've been dealing with so far. I think we're both just, I think everybody who, you know, hasn't been impacted by it, you know, in terms of directly and in, in terms of losing a loved one and stuff, I think, you know, a lot of people are, are ready to move on and hopefully things do open up. But uh, like you mentioned, I mean, I, it would be great to see some fans back because I, I, I'll be honest, even watching like NBA, NFL, the NHL, w- watching the stuff without fans, it's just missing something. You know what I mean? And, and to have mm-hmm. a, I'm looking forward to a full Staples Center, you know, in a big game in the playoffs and, and there's no other atmosphere like it. So hopefully we do get to see that sooner than later. Uh, Sabrina, are you working on anything for silver screen or roll coming up over the next couple of days? Uh, you know, whatever, whatever comes up, right. So maybe I'll, uh, dive into Marcus also planting Andre German as a starter once more when that happens. <laughs> okay. Well, we're looking forward to reading that. Uh, that does it for this episode. Don't forget before we wrap up, subscribe to the silver screen and roll podcast network. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your fix. And as I mentioned with Sabrina, Harrison, Christian, the entire crew has you covered at silverscreenandroll.com. And we've got new podcasts coming up Monday through Friday. That does it for this episode. We'll catch up with you all next week.